life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. The first of six all-new episodes, season two, premiered this past Saturday. And your response, thank you for listening. Your response has been fantastic. Thank you, guys. I agree. Guys, thank you so much for catching it. And uh, we've got some questions on here about catching it later Mm -hmm. on DVR or on Amazon Prime, but I want to add my thanks to you guys as well. It was the electrics episode. It was the Bolt versus the Model 3. We had a ton of fun with that. We did. We did. Uh, It it was just, yeah, thank you for your kind response and, and just... You know, knowing, noting things about the show mm-hmm. and, you know, f- your favorite parts, whatever that is. So it was it was fun to see the response. Yeah, I think really that's, cool. That's almost more fun for you and I to just, I hope people like it kind of for sure. well, this response is, and wait and see for that. This is the filmmaker aspect of what we do. Well, because true. Because you're building this thing and you're building it in a cocoon for a long, long time. And you may have shown like a few people here, a few people there, but basically you're building it in a vacuum and you're hoping your instincts are right. Is that like at Sundance Film Festival or I guess any film festival when you're there for the premiere screening and usually the director's there and they kind of stand up afterwards and just say, thanks, here's a little bit of notes about the film. Is it that kind of feeling watching... Well, it's a little different watching the film in the audience with, you know, for the that, first time seeing people's yeah. reactions, of course. That's, that's the only thing we don't get to do. I would love to do <laughs> that. That'd be kind of fun. That'd yeah. be amazing. Yeah. But is maybe it down, similar to that. But it no, is. It, but it's a thing about the creative reality of building something for the longest time and then going, all right, I got to let it go. Let's hope this works. Yeah. Let's hope, let's hope it resonates <laughs> as we intend. I hope you know people I mean? like this painting. Sure. I'm going st- to put my brush down. Totally. Here so, you go. so thank you guys because that's encouraging and I, and I love to hear and read when the show has worked as we intend. Yeah. You actually enjoyed yeah. the episode. Some of you have made the comment that you're not really big about electric cars but you still th- found it informative and enjoyed it. That's really cool. That's a nice compliment. I'll take that. Build show, build show, build show. Us, what? Build Show, Build Show, totally. Build Show, Build Show. Totally. What are we doing on there? Not, which, not to take away from Build Shows, but I'm just saying. Which, which leads me to Tyler's question. Tyler wrote into us, and he asked the question about, we, we talk about DVRing the show, okay? So data recording your show so you can time right. slip it. However you right. want to think about this, all right? However your system works. Because let's be honest, we're on at 7.30 uh, Saturday mornings on the East Coast. Yeah, yeah. Now, I made the show, and I'm not getting up for it, just so you know, okay? <laughs> yeah. There is no reason you exactly. have to plan your well, life to get up that early to see my face. I am, I am well aware that that is asking a lot. <laughs> However, we obviously want you to watch it, and the great thing about time slipping is you can watch it whenever. But Tyler's question is, how does that affect our Nielsen rating? Mm-hmm. I still think there's a black art to all this, too. There is a black art to Nielsen rating. Here, here's the thing about Nielsen. Nielsen's been around forever. When, when, you, when you hear about a TV got a whatever share, or this many people watched, or whatever, that is a Nielsen rating, and they have been the rating company. They are the ratings Bible. They have been that forever, okay? Mm-hmm. What I find fascinating is in the world where on YouTube, if you're a channel owner, you can drill down and watch like to the person almost who watched this and how long did they watch and where did they watch from. You can get crazy. Nielsen is not that, which is kind of funny, and yet everybody just completely relies on that Nielsen number as if it is the Bible which is fascinating okay. to me. All right. So what they do, Tyler, and, and it's, it's changed a lot over the years. It used to be literally a book where you had to write down everything the family was consuming, which has got to be next to impossible. But now there are a few thousand families. I don't know how many. There are a few thousand families, and they are under major non-disclosure agreements to not share that they are a Nielsen family. 
So hmm. some of you may be listening right now and be a Nielsen family, and you will never tell me, and I will never know, and that is fine. <laughs> That's how the system works. Interesting. But Tyler, what happens is they wear like a little, uh, think of it like a pager, but the pager is actually a microphone. They wear it on their person, and that is listening to the audio digital signature of everything they're consuming, music, TV, all of the above. <laughs> Somehow... In math and weird magical black arts I don't begin to understand, from this small swath of a few thousands, they extrapolate the viewership numbers for everything out there on yeah, TV. Yeah, I don't understand how that works. How they can do that with any certainty is kind of beyond me because I would think in a, in a country of, what are we, about 350 million people now, I would think you'd need at least 10% to get any yeah. kind of idea, but it's it's a fraction. It's but like this is relied 100%. on. It's, as it's stood upon as your show is successful or not based you know, on the Nielsen rating. In comparison to genuine analytics that we see on you know, Amazon and YouTube and Compared real to those where numbers. we can pull up Same numbers with podcast yourself. one analytics. Exactly. So this is what's interesting. But that little device records everybody in the family and what they're watching and viewing and that it's kind of insane. stuff. And they extrapolate out from there. And our number actually on Nielsen has been okay. It's been pretty solid, especially considering it's been great considering the time of day we're on. <laughs> right, right. But, but all of that to say, there, there are multiple ways they do this. They have, I, I'm going to try not to go too far here, Tyler, but they have the live number, which is what was the numbers of people watching it the minute it played? Mm-hmm. They also have live plus three, which means when it played live plus people that watch it within the next three days, and live plus seven, which is people that watch it within a week following. Still counts a week later. It can count further, but these are the ones really? that matter. Okay. So the live, the plus three, and the plus seven. Sports lives and dies on that live number. For that's people why, recording football games and that kind of thing and, and watching it later? Well, but people watch sports live because they don't, want to, they don't want to be told later what happened. Well, yeah. And this is the reason why Unless the Super they miss Bowl, World Cup games and then they're furious. This is the reason why the Super Bowl charges so much for advertising because it's one of the few places on the planet you can put a commercial on and people will not skip it because they're True. watching the game live. I mean, there's people who watch just for the commercials. I mean, yes, for sure. Guaranteed I, watch. I, I am. I am one of those. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see what filmmaker did which with which car. Anyway, that's a side <laughs> Football, note. whatever. So but the commercials. But, but the point is the Nielsen families, if they DVR, I'm way in the weeds here. I'm sorry. They DVR the show and they watch it anywhere within a week later. All of that counts to our number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm mentioning DVR because I don't want you to have to get up quite that early. But if you're a Nielsen family or you know one that is, we'd love for you to be watching the show because it all counts. So yeah. yes, there you go, Tyler. I could have said yes, but it's me, so I didn't just say yes. Well, absolutely. And and huge thanks to our presenting sponsor, which mm-hmm. is Covercraft. They've been with us for a long time, and, and we sure appreciate them. Uh, and the same code works every day. So if you use that on their website when you're purchasing, yeah. you get free shipping in the U.S. So yep. that still works. And thanks to them. They've just been huge for us. Yeah, they're so. a big banner sponsor. We're also very thankful yeah. for Brush Hero, for Griots, and for Auto Tempest, all of which have stepped alongside us this season, which is great, especially considering the fact we're already starting conversations about season four. I know, oh, I man. know, if you think that's insane, imagine how insane we think that is. <laughs> exactly. Because I'm still editing season three, by the way. Yeah, I told which you. Is gonna be solidarity, cool. but man, I've, I've got to start thinking about season four and then yeah, what we're going to do for, for sure. our film and for all sure. this stuff. All so. of that's in the works. It is. Uh, well, we've got some great debates. Well, actually, one debate, and we are back to a topic Tuesday. Mm-hmm. The topic is our top five moment in time cars. Hmm. We've talked about yeah. this before, yeah. and from Zewi on Instagram asked a couple weeks ago, he was asking about, you know, what are our top five moment in time cars? Mm-hmm. We've got criteria for each, and then we've got Greg in Kentucky, who is finally able to go for his first fun car. He's been kind of holding off for a while, and yep. then asks yep. us, 
what should he get? He's been mulling a whole bunch of choices. But before we do, I want to talk about this latest Itel design version. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Of the mm-hmm. Nissan GTR 50 is yeah. what it's called. Yeah. It's the GTR that they have rethought, reimagined, and are possibly putting on sale for about a million bucks. Good grief. After they drive it up the hill at Goodwood Festival of Speed, which is this week, you're listening. It's actually towards the end of the week, over the mm-hmm. weekend, mm-hmm. July 12th to the 15th, I think it is. And I was there in 2015. I can't wait for us to go back. It was so great. You think, uh, it's just a, you know, a few people. It is a massive event. The car companies that come build three-story pavilions mm-hmm. out of steel to advertise their cars. On the man's lawn. And you drive up his driveway. That's what continues <laughs> to boggle so me about amazing. it. Amazing, and and the fact that I'm always also surprised. I mean, this GTR is an example. Aren't they doing the Taycan as well? I mean, this is a place where manufacturers have started to actually pull the camo off their cars and go, "Here it is at Goodwood of all places." Yeah, they do it at Goodwood. They start to do it at various car shows like Monterey and Pebble Beach weekend. I would expect they do the it car at shows. But Goodwood is amazing to me that it's yeah. it's on the map now for that. It really is. So this car just caught our eye, and I'm really intrigued by this because you know us I'll, well. I'll speak for us, but more towards me. I, okay. I guess I'm not super thrilled about the GTR styling. It was I'll aggressive and purposeful. Mm-hmm. And it fit very much within the Nissan themes and what they're doing from a design language standpoint when it appeared on the scene. But I couldn't call it, wow, what a pretty car. No. Yeah, I don't think pretty is the word for it. Yeah. beat everybody mm-hmm. into submission, and mm-hmm. that's what it did. It still does. But I, I'm kind of amused by when it came out, 09, the R35 generation. Sure, yeah, yeah. And everybody said, oh, for 80, 90 grand, look at what you get. It's this cheap supercar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. supercar well, killer. Yeah. reimagined to really <laughs> looks like a supercar now by Ital Design, and it's one million. <laughs> yep. Welcome, everyone. Yep. I, I had to laugh at that little That is pretty classic. I agree. <laughs> yeah, little part. So I really like it, and uh, it was overseen by the director of Nissan Design, guy named Alfonso Albeza, and I had the pleasure of meeting him back in August of 2017 and uh, got to talk with him a little bit. So that was pretty cool. That was at their Nissan design studio in in, uh, San Diego. So that was uh, very interesting. So cool Mm -hmm. to watch his career unfold. And uh, another classmate of mine, Kareem Habib, who is the director of design Mm -hmm. for Infinity now, Mm -hmm. lives in Tokyo. They are really changing. And I... I hope that Nissan Infinity really get on a new design direction and mm-hmm. bring some some cool new designs. I hope they bring something other than CVTs. Well, yes. I hope they refresh, like, I don't know, the Z car and the GTR. Let's do those. Let's remember sports cars from They're Nissan. Halo cars. And I, I yeah. feel like Alfonso has that. He's... He's going back. His Instagram feed is full of, you know, the, the history and the generations of the Skyline and mm-hmm. the Z cars. And he's coming to them in a reverent attitude, I guess. Interesting. And okay, so good. both these guys are good. really, I, I have high hopes. Let's put it that way. I want a new Z car. I'd like a new 240. Yeah. Uh, Let's do something that I mean, I feel like you've got a lot of ties to Nissan, just, you know, having that as kind of the first real sports car in your life. Major icon car for me, for sure. For sure. So I'd love to see it uh, at that level again. But anyway, uh, top five moment in time cars. Now, we've thrown this term around before. I've thrown it around for the S2000 because it was Mm -hmm. here and now it's gone, you know. But when when we started to unpack this for this, I started to give myself further parameters because that's what I do. Uh, yeah. So top five moment in time cars. For me, the way to look at this was I wanted to think about cars that defined brands. Mm, okay. Like once this car showed up, it became like an icon for them, no matter how far ago it was. It was just like, oh, yeah, they're the, the ones that made that. Mm. And also, ideally, a car that once it showed up, the industry was affected. There were ripple effects from that car. 
Good parameters. I like that. Those were the two things that I that I worked with. I have my five. I want to list them, and then I want to give my reasons for all five. But I'm very curious how you approach this. I looked at it as cars that I've driven because, okay. Okay. I, and it might seem a bit foregone conclusion, but I just thought, you know what? I've I had cars on my list. I, I started just kind of you know throwing words on a page and mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. listing cars that I feel define, as you said, the company or the generation or. You think of this, and you can always point to that halo car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the AC Shelby Cobra 427. Hmm. Such a defining car. Yep. Yes. Driven a replica. I've never driven a real one. I think Mm -hmm. few people have. But I I looked at it as, okay, I haven't really driven the real thing. and I haven't driven all of mine, but I tasted the Factory 5 replica, which is amazing, just with with a Fox Body V8 in it. But, you know, I, I had to come at it as, all right, just things that I've driven that define wow. the show, define okay. me as a driver, define my sensibilities, hmm. so I can relate okay. to them. Okay. I, I was, I'll admit, I haven't driven, uh, let's see, haven't driven two of my five. And that's all. okay. Yeah. That's completely fine. I, I, you know, there's other cars on here I won't say yet. Interestingly, but. though, the AC Cobra was on my, like, if we had a top 10, it would have been on there, too. Yeah, and there's cars that were just, you know, uh, oh, this is not right definitive. There, this is that be. This is that topic Tuesday thing where all we're doing is arguing in a bar. I mean, that's really Pretty all much. we're doing. And you're, and you're, Next and you're, week, it'll change. Seriously, and, and and you're sitting at, you know, on the on the subway or you're beating against your dash in, in traffic trying to figure out why we aren't going to mention whatever that is. Right. How come you guys didn't say yes. the blank? And, yes. Well, reasons. It, it might jump onto the we list. In a week uh, totally. Yeah. Next time you see us, that may be on the <laughs> list. But anyway, so you want me to list my five? You want I to say go, go for yours? It. Okay. I, I'm Here's, curious. Here, I'm going to give my, my list of five, and then I'm going to explain why. Okay. Excellent. Okay. Here are the five cars. Moment in time cars. Jaguar E-Type. Okay. Original Ford Mustang. The 1964 and a half shows up Mustang. Oh. oh. The original Acura NSX. Okay. The Bugatti Veyron. And wow. the Tesla Model S. Wow. Those are my five. Interesting. And here's why. The E-Type shows up, and you would think we knew this, but the E-Type shows up, and everybody goes jaw-dropped because Jaguar was known, sure, yeah. but known. Yeah. But, I mean, the the story is that Enzo Ferrari declared it the most beautiful car he'd ever seen, okay? The, it, High it praise showed up, from that and day. everybody goes, what is that? And it was a – and this is this is long before CAD – designing of cars oh yeah this, this is. is a guy in his garage with a sketch pen going let me try this oh and, and then trying to figure out how to mold those fenders and just or make just it beating them into shape over a buck and, and supposedly somebody high up at jaguar whose name i'm forgetting but somebody high up at jaguar actually thought it was unattractive but they showed what? up with two of them when they first uh, launched it in europe they showed up with two of them actually one and it was so popular they drove another one out their top gear did a thing on it a while back but the e-type was was so iconic the minute it showed up. It was one of those rare times when the concept car that looks like the spaceship is the car you can buy. Mm, yeah. yeah. And from that moment on, two things happened. One, Jaguar now has trouble maintaining that mojo. It has that that is just I – mean, still, here, here we are, how many years later, we're still talking about the E-Type as the pinnacle of Jaguar. Right. As far as the right. look, yeah. they've been trying to, yeah. and think about all the years that Jaguar was known for making essentially the same sedan in slight variations for like 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. So this is that high point in Jaguar that made everybody turn and look and go, what are they doing over there? <laughs> what did you guys Seriously. do? Yeah. Seriously. You know, I mean, they were doing things like disc brakes and stuff early, but that was yeah. the car that everybody went, what? And then they were claiming to be far, it was far cheaper than a Ferrari and one of the fastest cars on the planet. 
I still love the inboard disc brake thing. It's very cool. I still it's really like cool. that. Reducing unsprung weight. Yeah. I mean, I still don't really understand why people aren't doing this more. If you'd but like a random hobby, find an E-Type somewhere and crawl underneath the back of it. Be careful because the owner might be angry. But crawl underneath the back of it and notice that the disc brakes are up by the differential. Yeah. I'm, very, very interesting. Yeah, I'm so intrigued by this. I guess a lot of reasons, just ease yeah, of, of changing things. Of, and, that's 90% of it right there. You know, all that kind yeah. of stuff. Because, yeah, disconnect the half shaft. But uh, so anyway, so the Jaguar E-Type, that is, a, that is a car that just was like, that has defined the brand and yeah. made it people look. And if people like, look, Ferrari goes out and makes the Daytona and Toyota goes out and makes the 2000. Why? Right. Because of the E-Type. Yeah, true. Both of those cars are made because of the E-Type. The, uh, the 240, the original 240, the E-Type. That's a great example of designers looking at everybody else. It mm-hmm. still happens mm-hmm. to this day, but totally. other designers being influenced, and then they put their own take on, you know, what's Toyota's interpretation of mm-hmm. a beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, large cycle fender design? Totally. You know, it's not quite cycle fenders, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just beautiful sculptural shapes, and then, you know, kind of using that. So it's not, uh, I, I wouldn't call it a ripoff necessarily, because those cars that you mentioned were very beautiful and different in their own way. They're iconic in all their own ways. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. So start with the E-Type. Then go the original Ford Mustang, the 1964 and a half. It drops on the auto show circuit and they can't make, they literally can't make them fast enough for the next year or more. That car, love it or hate it, is pretty much just America in an automobile. (laughs) It is. You know, it's just America in an automobile. And it begins the pony car wars. Every other auto yeah. manufacturer in the U.S. tried to make a Mustang competitor or fighter, and none of them were as successful. Yeah, yeah. So in spite of the fact that we get – notice I missed entirely the malaise era of cars. There's nothing 70s or 80s on my entire say. list. Because, I mean, regulations even made the E-Type ugly. Let's be honest. It did, okay? yeah. So, and it but did bad things to the Mustang. It did bad things to everything, yes. So, But the Mustang, the original Mustang, that shifts the industry, certainly in this country. It shifts the whole industry. The whole, what are we making cars for? and What do they look like? And we need that market. And all of that is the Mustang. Mm, okay. The original Acura NSX. Yeah, good. For the first time, an exotic car has got to run. <laughs> right. I mean, Ferrari right. now gives you like a seven-year warranty. Okay? They've like, been like pushed right, hard right now to they do, do that, though. Right now they do. But if you think yeah. about it, that reality, which is un- would have been unheard of in, the, in 1990 oh, when the Acura completely. came out, it's impossible. Yeah. That reality is the culmination of the Acura NSX dropping, where you can drive it daily like you're a cord. It will continue to run. And by the way, it's a mid-engine sports car. Yeah, right. And th- starting there, everybody that made a sports car was now on notice. Mm. It needed to excite you, and it needed to run. Yeah, yeah. So everybody, Porsche, McLaren, Ferrari, list them. The minute they quit running well, that's no longer excusable. You have a Countach and it's in your garage leaking and not running. You still have a Countach. Yeah. <laughs> but if you have a Lamborghini in your garage right now, a Huracan, and it doesn't run, you're mad at Lamborghini. That seismic shift is the Acura NSX. I, I fully agree with that. So that's that one. Bugatti Veyron. This is interesting. Because that is a force of will. Okay. From that guy, Pike. Uh, Piesch. Piesch, Fer- Ferdinand Piesch. Him, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he did the Phaeton. He did the, the, which I'm not putting on this list, but he did the Phaeton. He did the Veyron. But the Veyron is essentially walking into your engineers and saying, all the stats that everybody talks about, we're going to beat them all. Yeah. More I, luxurious. Yeah. More expensive. More powerful. Uh, faster. Give me a stat. We're going to beat them all in one car, which is 
let's be honest, from a corporation standpoint, it's madness. It's insanity. It's it's spend money against people's yes. wills and are yes. you sh- and the only way you can get away with that is if you're in charge. Totally. It, it's a it's an automotive equivalent yeah. of a moonshot. We're yeah. just going to do this because it hasn't been done yet. 10 radiators. 10 it's, radiators. It's absurd. It's absurd. Yeah. So that car is madness. Is absolutely my definition of a moment in time car. When is that something that major going to happen again? I mean, I know that in the Chiron there's a follow-up, but the point is the Veyron drops and now what happens? Everybody worries about how can we be the big dog? Mm. Would there be the Hennessy Venom? Would would there be uh, cars that are trying to do a zero to sixty in less than three seconds? If not for the Veyron, not really. Interesting. We're chasing three hundred yeah. miles an hour because uh, Bugatti looked at the McLaren at two hundred and twenty and two hundred twenty two hundred forty and went, "We'll do two sixty." Yeah, it kind of gave license to the Koenigseggs and the McLarens, and it sort of justified their existence more now that. You know, Bugatti, backed by a major manufacturer, totally. is doing this and successful with it. Totally. A major manufacturer, not a niche car maker, yeah. goes, we're going to make the world beater. Yeah. Love it or hate it, it was just a numbers car. We have a friend it's true. who was obsessed with the Veyron the minute it came out uh-huh. only because he claims to be a car guy. And I say claims because it feels kind of fringe to me when this is your approach. But but he was obsessed with the Veyron for the longest time only because it's a top Trump's car for all of our English fans. Hat tip to you. It is, it is a car that is just about every number's better than everybody else. Right. So it right. must be the best car. We're kind of going, there's a lot of great cars in the world, but he, he would not hear it. There's a lot of cheap, great cars. Totally. But he would not yeah. hear it because right. well, this is the one where the number's the best for everything. Right. Yeah, but, but, but anyway, so Veyron. And then my last one of five, the Tesla Model S. For all okay. of the good and bad in the world of Tesla, <laughs> right. for all of the discussion, right. here's the interesting thing. As I understand the story, and I could be wrong, Chevy makes the EV1, okay, in the 90s. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, yeah. And then they kill it for reasons to this point, I think, still kind of only known by GM, but they kill it. Yeah. I did watch the movie, Who Killed the totally. Electric Car. Two guys yeah. that were frustrated by that started the Tesla company. Neither of them were Elon Musk. Uh-huh. He was one of their first investors and was a little bit involved, which is another reason why he needs that stock to keep going up because he wants his money back out in the billions. <laughs> that means he needs to have extra commas. So he was not the starter, but he came on and became the icon of it. Okay. Right. But forget all of that history and let's land here. The Tesla Model S, which is flawed and is great simultaneously. Yeah. Just agreed. forget agreed. the company. It's it's simultaneously flawed and great. It works as as a, a aspirational electric car, which had never happened. Hmm. As a result, look at everything else we have: the Bolt, the iPace, the Taycan. Keep going through the entire industry. Whether electric cars become the thing or not, this place we're at right now is a direct result not of the three, not of the S. X, not of the Roadster, not of the Semi, not of Elon standing with a microphone. It's the Model <laughs> S working. Yeah, working well, despite crashes and fires and blah. But it's a great car. It it's is. a genuinely great car. I agree. Yeah, that's that's a great list. And again, it could change. But, you know, I, I like your industry-defining kinds of headspace about it because – especially the Tesla. What I like about mm-hmm. Tesla is that they continue to push everybody else. It's sort of like shoe leather on your butt. You know, everybody's getting pushed along by love them or hate them. Mm-hmm. They're okay. Well, what do we have to compete against the Tesla model S? Mm-hmm. Ooh, not really anything. Hey, product planning team. Let's talk. Yeah. 
And none of those cars would exist, and none of the discussion would be happening. This is 2% of the car market. Why is 2% of the car market dominating 90% of the car news? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It shouldn't, but it is, and so everybody's got to play. Yeah, it's interesting. Interestingly, I, uh, I limited this to the cars that I've driven. I like that. I would have made it much harder for me. It's, <laughs> it's hard because there's other cars on my list, like the McLaren F1. Have not been in an F1, but... sure. Also a, a defining car. And a total moment in time car. That's on my 10 for sure. Completely. Absolutely, yeah. Not just for the packaging and the layout, but with the collaboration with BMW and for what they achieved and the beauty, and it's still so sought after, and I think will surpass desirability of a Veyron in the future as a, hey, this super, it's not as fast. It doesn't have the best yeah. numbers. It's not okay. But it still had the gold plating and the... You know, Veyrons are practically mass and... market by comparison, which <laughs> yeah, is an that's... insane sentence that I can't believe I just said. Yeah. You know, all the, the racing history with it, the mm-hmm. Le Mans racing mm-hmm. history yeah, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And so that's not on my list, but I'll start with the Honda S2000. Yes, totally. Totally. But we talked about it before. It's going to be the 2007, the AP2 version. Okay. Sure. Every time I see one, it's the AP2 that catches my eye. Yeah, it's great. They're clean. They're beautiful. They're inexpensive. And I'm just... I, my own driving was redefined by mm, the fun sure, I had sure, in that sure. car. They're great cars. Over the Miata, though, because okay. of the power. Yeah, I see that. The Acura NSX is also on my list, but Good. I'm calling out a specific year, and that is 95. Okay. Because we've driven it, mm-hmm. but because they had the Targa, and I like the styling better than the later, the early 2000s mm. cars. Okay, all right. Cleaner. It's... It's modified just enough. You know, we've developed it and kind of refined it just enough from the 91. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. And it's just become this such an icon in my okay. mind. I love that. I love that. The 1M is on the list. 2011 was a good mm, year yeah. for moment in time cars because the 2011 1M, which was only built for that model year. That is a moment in time car. I love that. That's great. And the 2011 Porsche 911 GT3 RS 4.0. I had a lot of love for Porsche before we drove that car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then afterwards, I'm I'm boggled by what this. There's faster cars. The GTR crushes it. That doesn't crush it, but it's it's yeah. faster. You yeah. know what I mean? It it has better stats and numbers. I'm sitting here pondering 2011 cars right now, and I'm a little bit fascinated but because you know what else? That's the last year of the federalized U.S. Uh, legal elise. Interesting point. I could make an entire garage of dream cars all from 2011. I'm kind of freaking myself out right now. That's nuts. Was the sweet spot. Huh. Okay. The 1M, right. the yeah. GT3 RS Those are two 40. great ones. Those are two great ones. BMW has two on my list here. Okay. So the, the last one is the 2002. I mean, talk about a car that sure. spawned and yeah, defined yeah, 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 yeah. an entire generation That's of really car. Good. And it was fun to drive the initial... Here's what it all came from. Here's yeah. where it all started. And yeah, yeah. feeling that deep down inside, it doesn't have the performance or the yeah. Why refinement. Yeah. But you can feel that generation, you know, where it started. And like I said, these will continue to change mm-hmm. and morph and refine for us. But I, I like awesome. these cars. I just, like those. All right. I've got to get at least the cars that I've driven out of the way to say, you know, would we like to drive the Super. McLaren? The R35 GTR mm-hmm. almost made the list. Mm-hmm. I, I debated it as well. Yeah. I don't love this car, and I know this will generate a lot of hate. Suddenly, everybody's angry with me for saying, Well, you're just on one side I of the other. I love the GTR. Yeah. But it's astounding because of how heavy it is and for what it can do and turn mortals, kids, grandmothers into mm-hmm. astoundingly fast drivers. What it does is undeniable. Yeah. It's undeniable. It's just shocking. Yeah. I just, I come back to that and think, all right, 
you know, the power, it, it doesn't speak to me as a driver, but holy cow, this yeah, car is incredible. It's, it's, it's honestly, it's hard to get out of that car and not be wowed by it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I also feel like it's hard to love. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely aimed at the gamer generation, I guess. I mean, I, suppose, I think yeah. we're on the tail end of that there, probably, there are, but yeah, there are cars, there are people that that appeals to for sure. Absolutely. It's just, you know, it, you've read all the stats. It, it's very mm -hmm. much a numbers car. Like we first discussed in our mm -hmm. original YouTube review and everybody just pretty much clobbered us for not loving the car because it has the best numbers and look at it and it's lower than a GT3 in price and yeah. on and on and on and we just got clobbered I thought our, our lowest rating <sighs> YouTube film ever by the way is our initial GTR review it was very honest though <laughs> and GT3 or GTR owners would write to us and say I I own one and I agree with you guys yeah I'm going yeah, proof yeah. but nobody yeah, would yeah. listen so of course not because it was 2009 and it was the it car yeah, yeah for sure for sure which is fine it's absolutely fine uh, yeah. All right. So these these will change. I like that. Really good on you for, for I mean, staying with stuff we've driven. I had the 59 Cadillac Series 2 convertible on the list. Sure. But I haven't driven it. Sure. But talk about a defining the height of the tail fin era. Yep. That the optimism, the post-war optimism defined in that car. Mm -hmm. And it's huge, especially the convertible, because it makes the car look even longer <laughs> than it really is. Even though yes, it's you're right. like 21 feet it's of car It's now or even more of an aircraft carrier. You're absolutely but right. But I yeah. thought, all right, well, I haven't driven it, so it can't really make the okay. list this time around. But I think we should revisit you're this. You're being fair. You really are. Get this well out done. of the way. I just had to kind of get this off my chest to start with, and then we can kind of okay. go crazy with other moment-in-time okay. cars that, that define that's really cool. I love that question. I love that we both unpacked it so differently, which is what we do. Yeah. Uh, that, that, you've got me thinking about what are the things I've driven. Your, your list is awesome. Thanks for that. I mean, maybe the Mitsubishi Evo will make that list for you next time around. Well, but see, but that's a to me, that's a progression car. Evo's been making that, and they built their way into it. I like these ones that drop from the sky, the 1M being a great example. Sure, yeah. You know, the yeah, S2000 yeah. being another one. I mean, in spite of the fact they were making the NSX, the, the S2000 is great. Yeah. You know, I like those cars yeah, that just sure. drop from the sky and surprise people. The the GT3 RS40 is that. We're making a GT3. Why do we do a 4.0 version? Because we can. Let's Here restart the factory. Yeah. The factory line was shut yeah. down. Let's restart that to make this car. Why? Yeah. Well, because we have this idea. Because of the reason for the things that we wanted to do. Yeah. 500 horsepower, and let's bore. We borrowed out the engine. Hey, everybody, let's mm -hmm. put bigger pistons in it. More displacement, and that spawned a whole new yeah. set of GT3s. It's, it's, it's the only place where I am in complete and possibly surpassing Porsche love to you is that car. Really? You could knock me over with a feather right now. I mean, in general, you know I, I am incredibly impressed with Porsches. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I like them, but yeah. I don't have the love you do. That car is on my such extreme personal shortlist. And it's fascinating. I didn't even realize until you brought it up that that and the, and the 1M are both 2011 2011 cars. And that's, that's the only year they built those that's cars. That's really an interesting point. Let's build the 2011 list, the, the <laughs> favorite cars of 2011. Well, you know what's going to happen now, and I'm going to lose my mind, is people are going to start saying, what was the best year for cars? Give you a question. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm going to just stay with 2011 and call it answered. <laughs> exactly. All right, so we'll get to a debate here. But first, we've got a short break, guys. We'll be right back. If you like sports, Podcast One has got even more great sports podcasts for you. New on Podcast One Sportsnet is Baseball and Chill and the Big 12 Podcast. You can listen each week to Kelly Nash and Scott Brom from the MLB Network as they cover all the stories from baseball. Then jump over to the Big 12 Podcast and listen to Chuck Cooperstein each week as he checks in with Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby and other guests to go over the best highlights and look ahead to the biggest events in the conference. Remember, these shows are all free exclusively on Apple Podcasts or PodcastOneSports.com and even the Podcast One app. 
If you love the show, share them with a friend. Also, leave a rating and review for those shows and this one. And suddenly we're talking about underwear. Yes, underwear. We never talk about underwear, but everybody needs it. And new underwear is way better than old. They've got to be comfortable, so you should get MeUndies. If you think about the fact we have subscriptions for everything, you can buy your underwear online. You can get an underwear subscription. I know you might think this is a little bit out there, but here's the thing. If you go to MeUndies right now, there is a no-risk trial offer. Think of it this way. The right underwear is as important as the right car that we choose for you on our debate. So you've got to have good, comfortable underwear that stays put. Because you're listening to this show, you can get 15% off your first pair and free shipping. All you got to do is go to MeUndies.com driver. I don't need to hear about it, but you can go get underwear there. The first 25 folks to send a proof of purchase, which is a screenshot of your purchase or the receipt... You will get another pair free if you send that proof of purchase to gift at podcast one with driver in the subject line. You will soon have another pair in your collection. They've also got hoodies. They've got really cool pants you can hang out in. Men, women, it can be shipped right to you. Go to MeUndies.com slash driver. Yes, MeUndies. Okay, in the next 30 seconds, I'm going to throw a lot of numbers at you, but stick with me. I'm not good with numbers. We're going to be in this together, I promise. In 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on your car insurance. This company has been offering great rates and great service for over 75 years. And anytime you need help, you can speak to one of their trained specialists 24-7. The company, of course, is GEICO. Go to GEICO.com today. Sorry for all the numbers, and I'm out. You know what's a must-have in your car care arsenal? It's a Brush Hero. This is the water-powered detailing tool that's perfect for tough areas like wheel spokes and engines, tailpipes and grills, and even bicycles. Interestingly, Brush Hero requires no batteries or electricity. It scrubs slowly with an impressive amount of torque. This was created by Car Guys. It's designed to be tough, quick, and effective without causing damage. It's easy to use. Just hook it up to a standard garden hose, flip the handy on-off switch, and start cleaning. Brush Hero is a great gift idea, and they've got an extensive line of gift sets and accessories. And now, our listeners can enjoy 10% off their order at BrushHero.com with code DRIVER. You can also find the Brush Hero at select Costco and Walmart stores. But don't forget to use the code DRIVER at BrushHero.com for 10% off, and all orders over $40 ship free. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with GEICO. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it, GEICO could save you 15% or more on car insurance. We're back with Greg's debate. He's out in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. He's 35 years old looking for his first fun car. Which it is doesn't awesome. matter what age you are for your care. first fun car. Yeah, I don't care. Who cares? You, you preferably need to be of driving age. That's really well, the only requirement we have. My yeah. grandfather drove till he was 98. That's still driving age. I've told this story. Yeah. He bought the new Lexus Egg and got the six-year extended warranty be <laughs> because. <laughs> because he knew he'd be around. That's how he thinks. That was amazing. I love that. Anyway, no, he's no longer with us. But still, it was kind of fun. All right, so Greg's wife will only allow one car per adult. Hmm. <laughs> Do you need to recruit more adults for the household? How does this work? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Cousins, all kinds of stuff. All right, so Greg works for the Toyota Lexus plant at their Kentucky manufacturing facility. 
which means he can get a good deal on a new car. He can get a great deal on a lease, as a matter of fact. But he says, here's my problem. Only Lexus makes the all-wheel drive cars, which is kind of what he's looking for, Mm -hmm. but neither of them make a manual sedan. True. So these are the requirements. He wants the next car to be fun. It's got to be a sedan. He said, I can't do the coupe thing. Really want the sedan, but it's got to be a manual transmission or a dual clutch. Because, he says, everyone in my family, including my wife, my mother, everyone can drive a stick except for me. He barely can. (laughs) He barely can, yeah. So he's also a safety engineer. He said, high risk is not my thing. And when I read, no daily triples for me, that sentence didn't compute. I didn't understand what that meant. You still tried to read those words. No daily triples. I don't understand. He said, I'd like to have something fun at low speeds and mid speeds. He is uh, due, his wife is due in November with their second child. Mm -hmm. So again, no coupes. He prefers the sedans, but he's open to wagons, which also counts. And he's really close to work. So he's got a four-mile commute. He only Mm -hmm. puts 4,000 miles on his car per year. So he said, that could theoretically allow me to go for a higher mileage car if it could be something in the sweet spot, but nothing older than 10 years. So, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. we might push on that a little, a little bit. parameters here. Love it. Yeah. Uh, but he says, you know, should I be concerned? My four-mile drive has two red lights, two turnabouts. Is this going to get old in a manual? No, I can I answer so. that question right now. No, it's not going to get old. Well, but I, I'm sitting there thinking in four miles and doing that, I'd don't it, I don't it doesn't sound like you're doing stop and go. It sounds like you're no. just going through some stoplights yeah. and some roundabouts. And what if you get the green light? Brilliant. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Exactly. Fun. Interesting. There's a lot of little variables here. Um, yeah. No kidding. Yeah. There's a lot of things he's driven. The, the price range is up to 26 grand for Paul, and only 20 grand, 22 grand for me. I found that interesting. Uh, I'm gonna I like how that I weaseled my just, way to a higher price. Yeah, I'll just point use with your budget. But anyway, um, <laughs> but he's driven lots of interesting things. He's tried lots of interesting things. Uh, a lot of BMWs on this list. Most he doesn't want any American cars. You notice this? Yeah, but that's because he says my American car view has been tainted by driving yes. only a Chevy Malibu. Mm-hmm. You cannot judge American cars by Malibus. That you is can. not your stick. This is true. It's not your measuring stick. That's true. That's if you have, I'm sorry, but mm-hmm. there's good ones. Yep. So his his all time dream car. It, well, there's many, but all time yeah. dream car is the BMW M5, the E60 generation. Uh, he, V10. Yes. Yes. This had side bolsters that inflated and deflated yes. around when you're cornering. Angry, angry, and, and fun, and crazy <laughs> howling uh, V10, uh, and has dropped like a stone in value because you're maintaining a BMW uh, F1-derived V10. Yes. Uh, so you had to see that uh, bucket of money coming. But here's his thought. Can't have it. Can't daily drive it. Absolutely can't have it. That's what Greg says, because I have to be to the plant regardless of snow, and he's fearful of rear-wheel drive. Okay. Um, Greg, I want to unpack this for a second. Yeah, you, we do you, need you to start currently, here. You currently drive a 4x4, uh, and you're worried about getting to the plant year-round, so you think you need all-wheel drive. You're in Kentucky. I looked up the Toyota plant. Did you? I looked up the annual snowfall. <laughs> Greg? You get less than a foot of snow. And because it's Average Kentucky. Average annual snowfall? Yes. Okay. Because it's Kentucky, I don't think it's hanging out. Probably Call not. me wrong, but you're not exactly like Canada and you're getting snowed in for the winter. No, it's not the Northeast. Okay. And so, and here's the thing. We get snowed in for the winter sometimes. We normally do. And then we'll have a random week in the spring where it's like, why are all the roads completely dry? Why is all the snow gone away? And then we get dumped on again. Yeah, right. But if you're, you know, you're north of us, you can really get snowed in. My number one question for you, Greg, is this. And I'm going to extrapolate. I don't know. I'm asking. Do you put winter tires on your 4 by 4 yeah, that was my big question reading this, too. My suspicion is you don't. Mm-hmm. 
I could be wrong. My suspicion is you probably have all seasons on your four-wheel drive. And as a result, you don't want to drive rear-wheel drive in the winter. I'm going to say to you again, I know, I know if you listen to the podcast for five minutes, you see this coming. (laughs) I am the prophet of the tire, okay? Here it comes, all right? Do you wear a cape? I don't because the hair is weird enough. (laughs) Anyway, um, you need to get yourself whatever car you want followed by some winter tires and call yourself happy. Yeah. You don't have to have four by four. You don't. I'm doing it here in Park City. If I didn't want to keep the Lotus nice and plow my own driveway with the nose, I would actually drive that year round. I think you should make that video, though. I'm tempted. I got to be honest. So, you know, sports cars in the winter, rear wheel drive in the winter is really awesome. It's genuinely awesome. If you live down a huge hill that Mm -hmm. gets iced, I'll I'll give you the pass. But I suspect you don't. And I suspect, I, I, pure speculation on my part, that you have all seasons and not winter tires on your 4x4. If you are running all seasons yeah, and not full yeah. winter tires, I'm going to say to you, winter tires instead of four-wheel drive, let's get you something fun. Look, Greg, I know you're thinking, okay, this is extra expense, but getting in an accident or you know anything worse than that, I'll say, just in another car or with another car, I mean, or just you know solo mm-hmm. car... That is more expensive than the cost of, say, we'll call it a thousand bucks, and I'll be generous. Thousand bucks for four winter tires, mm. and we say mm. winter because it's not snow tires; it's because of temperature. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even if it's not snowing, it's because of the temperature. And they also say don't run those winter tires above forty-five degrees Fahrenheit. They'll, you know, too warm. You'll chew through the rubber. Mm-hmm. They're that soft, and it does make the difference. We beat on this constantly. And you will be surprised. It's not just, oh, it got a little bit better. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's astounding worlds of difference. Yeah, it's, it it's really a big is. Change. And if you were writing us from Canada, I'd say, okay. But you're writing us from Kentucky, and I'm going to say, give it a shot. It's still hard to wrap your head around, okay, I've got tires for two seasons, and I have to store them in my garage, yeah. and I've yeah, yeah. got to deal with this extra thing. Totally. Completely worth it. Yeah. I see that. All right. So that's got to be a consideration. You know, I agree. You know, I agree. So that is the underlying tone for any car we suggest. (laughs) That is the underlying given. Tires, 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 tires. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And then Malibu. Yeah. Like I said, anything from Ford, you need to drive Mustangs, Focus STs, Fiesta STs. You need to go have some fun with those. And then decide if American cars are bad. Well, I actually have some, some drive homework for Greg. Oh, good. But I have a few recommendations as well. Where are you? Well, again, back to the manual or the dual clutch, Mm -hmm. sedan only. And I thought, okay, there's a couple foregone conclusions, but then I decided on the car that I do think you should consider. Mm, Good, good. It's very different. It's not often suggested. So I started with the E90 M3, 2008. It's on his list of curiosity. It is. For sure. And and Greg, you had a great list here. It included the Lexus GS350 F Sport, Mm -hmm. rear-wheel drive, Mm -hmm. the E93 35XI, Audi S4. You had the E90 on here, lots of WRXs, Cayenne manual, love it. So this E90, white, rear-wheel drive, 57,000 miles for 25.9. Wow. Perfect. 2008, perfect. Brilliant car. Very highly considered this car. Completely agree. I love that that was on your list. It was one of my extreme shortlist cars for you. When I saw it was on your list, I thought, that's a great one. Yeah. Yes, yeah. you can get it manual or DCT. I say get it in manual. Get the manual. You, you talked about a short commute. you're comfortable enough to do a lot of maintenance yourself, and you'd like to work on your car if it needs something with your dad. Brilliant. I like all of this story. Everything yeah. about that works with that car. I leaped then to a 2015 Audi S3, 59,000 miles for 24.9. You lose the manual, but it's compelling. 
it's compelling with that DSG gearbox in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love the car. I love the size. And then the size brought me to the car I think you should consider, Greg. Mm, okay. 2017 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250 front-wheel drive, seven-speed dual-clutch automatic, although they do make them with 4Matic. So yeah. the all-wheel drive, if you're really yeah, set yeah, on sure. that, you can go back to 2015. I found some with... I think 30, 34,000 miles for about mm-hmm, the same mm-hmm. price. So right at that sweet spot, $25,000, $26,000. But you could get a 2017 Mercedes-Benz. It's compact. I remember mm. really liking this car when we drove this. As a matter of fact, it was against the Audi A3. I, I really enjoyed this. We had the Honda Accord Coupe in there too, I think. Yeah. And uh, I, I come back to this car because I, I like it for your uh, not wanting to get into the, you know, the he super high get performance himself driving. Yeah, he's he's worried about the safety of it. I get it. But such a brilliant car mm-hmm. with a great transmission. It also led me to the GLA 45, but the only one I could find was the 2015 with 60,000 miles. Could you find it for this price, though? For 25.9. Really? Can you believe that? I, I only found believe. one. I'm, I'm just shocked any of them are, are consistently hanging 60,000 miles. But yeah. I thought, you know, does Greg want 350 horsepower? Does his wife I mean, want? I think Greg does, but I don't think he really wants to admit it. That's what I kind of think. Uh, I think right. I think you secretly want that power, Greg, because I, I come True. back to this. And this comes back to my drive list, and that is you want that M5 with the V10. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're not immune to horsepower, my friend. <laughs> He's got the Touareg V10 on I his know. list. Two I V10s are his dream car. I saw it, yes. Astounding. Okay. Pretty cool. So, yeah, the CLA 250, I like the size a lot. Mm-hmm. I like that it is the German engineering. I like the feel of driving this car. I think it would suit you well, just from what you're asking for in your okay. email here. I think you would really be attracted to this car. I like it. Because, let's keep in mind, Lexus was spawned from looking at Mercedes and copying them mm-hmm. from the get-go. You're right. And yeah. it was... Pretty blatant at first. They were trying to find their own design language. And Lexus has turned into an entirely different brand with a different theme. Mm-hmm, They've mm-hmm. gone their own direction. But at the beginning, it was all about Mercedes. Yeah, yeah That's yeah. who they were targeting. So go back to the original, Greg. Like it. Like it. I have some drive homework for you, Greg. Uh, first off, I'm going to have you lean in real close. Just come on. Come on. Don't be afraid. <laughs> just just lean into the podcast. And I'm going to give you one piece this of advice. This is getting weird. Winter tires. Uh, yes, that's, yes. That's, I'm just going to say that. Just there it is. There it is. Uh-huh. I'm not going to yell at you. Okay, now we'll back away a minute. Here's the thing. You do have some stuff you need to drive. You like that M5, and my question for you is, have you driven this M5? Good question. You haven't mentioned that. You said it's your dream car. I wonder, because it has the Touareg V10, do you just want a V10 in your life? That the makes the me Audis, wonder. The, the S cars from 07 with the, our, the S6 and the... S8 oh, with sure. the V10s sure, have to sure. be on the list too, don't they? Craziness. So anyway, but that M5 made me think, okay. You don't want an American car. You want either a German car or a Japanese car. But you really like that M5, and you want a car you can work on by yourself Uh huh. Yeah. with your dad, has a good forum, has parts available, this kind of thing. It's, it's just out of your price range. This is why it's drive homework. Drive the Chevy SS. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. You had a Chevy Malibu in your life, and it's turned you off of American cars. I'm staying in the same brand. Wow, this... This is going to be just, a big step, Greg. I just want you to find one and drive it. Ideally, find a six-speed manual. I found the first year, which did not have the magnetic ride and also was automatic, but I found those for about 28. So they're just above where you are, okay? So I don't think this is a car you're going to buy, but I'm just wanting you to have okay. a different life experience. Go find anywhere a six-speed <laughs> manual Chevy SS and drive it. Thinking about your love for that M5, 
just have that experience and see how that shifts your perception. Because I think that car in a lot of ways checks every box you want. Even though you could say to most people, they'd say, "Does isn't that a Chevy Mel? Oh, SS. What is the SS? True. No, it's that's the, the problem. But yes, but you mentioned you car. like sleeper cars. Yeah. So I thought, please go drive it. That's my drive yeah. homework for you. You mentioned the E ninety four door. You already covered that, Paul. That is the uh, that is the uh, what is it? The mid two thousands M car. Yeah. Oh eight. Awesome four door. Uh, yeah. So awesome four door. We love that car. We talked about it a lot. You mentioned uh, what about an STI wagon, which is last gen STI. Oh, wagon. yeah, like it. Buy it, enjoy it. You'd like that car. There's not, I have no, nothing bad to say about that car. You would just enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. But if we're going to go into all-wheel drive world, I'm back to drive homework. Have you driven an Evo 10? Good, good. Uh, more robust in the manual, but not a great manual transmission. Surprisingly good to drive with the dual clutch from Mitsubishi of all people. So there's more drive homework. You know what's interesting about that is if you were to get the GSR Evo 10, mm-hmm. five-speed, and I never yes. liked it on the highway, but he doesn't have a highway commute. There's no problem. So there's it's no four problem. Miles. It's four miles. Right. Yes, yes, agreed. And you want to have attack the winter in your STI, your Evo, you're done. But then I had this thought, a little bit of a left turn okay. that came out of those, I think is a car you should seriously consider. Six-speed, all-wheel drive if you need it. You've got your hatch styling. Hmm. You're German. You've upgraded yourself in field a little bit. First gen for the U.S. First gen Golf R. Okay, all right. So How's that all wheel drive? Thirteen. Whatever the first like two 20, years are of 12, it. I'm, I'm drawing a blank this minute. Yeah, somewhere but, in there. But the, the they first came out here in the U.S. six speed only. The second gen you can get either, but the first came out in the U.S. six-speed only. They have that Haldex all-wheel drive system, which essentially means it's a hotter GTI, and every now and then, oh, look, the rear wheels did something. Your rear hoof slips, and you exactly turns on. Your rear hoof slips. I like that. That's very good. So it's a trusty <laughs> steed. But no, the, the first-gen Golf R, they're out there. They're available for your price. Uh, it does all the hatchback stuff you're looking for. It's still an adult's car. It's everything we like about the GTI mm-hmm. with a little bit of yeah. extra oomph. Yeah. I'm going first-gen Golf R, and I'm staying there, Greg. But you got drive homework, but I'm staying there. All right. We've got to get to social media questions. But if you do have your own debate, we always say this. EverydayDriverTV at mm-hmm, gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Please write to us. Or you can find us under the About tab at contact on the website, EverydayDriver.com. And just the contact button right there. You can email us as well. Please send us your story. I'd love to hear from you guys. And, uh, yeah, really appreciate the debates pouring in. Okay. Social media questions. We've got to jump to this. Yeah. I am uh, really <clears throat> incensed. Uh-oh. By oh, Brian B's wow. question about our thoughts on drivers that have pets in their laps while driving. <laughs> yes, it the, infuriates me. The dog accessory. Yes, it bugs me. It's not actually a pet. It's a dog accessory. I love dogs. I do too. You've got a dog. I do. I, She's I love amazing. dogs. I just the separation is still very much in my head. Those things could go really wrong if the dog sees something and and grabs your arm. I mean, the smaller dogs, you could argue like, yeah, I'm in control, but why? Why Why yeah. do you have to have the dog? We're talking about distracted so driving. Close. You have a creature in your lap. It's not just, I mean, your phone's bad enough. Mm-hmm. We've ranted on that. You've heard mm-hmm. us before, but the dog, and I see, I just think, why? I, I really don't get it. Just the dog could be with you in the car, but totally. Why in Absolutely. your lap? All the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah I'm, you probably feel the same way, Brian. Yeah. Brian. Well, I, I love the. I love the. There's nothing I think is cooler than the dog with head out the window on the freeway. That just makes me laugh. <laughs> that is a happy creature right there. 
Yeah, and in the beds of pickup trucks too. Yeah, just in Hilarious. the back of the SUV with the head out the window or looking around the side of the pickup. That's really cool. You got to you got to <laughs> strap your dogs in. But but I just yeah, dog in the lap. Don't get it. Uh, Hal Bullock asked a question about season three. I wanted to touch on real quick. A couple other people have mentioned it. Will it be on Vimeo? Yes, it will. Mm, yeah, we have not talked up Vimeo as much because the reality of the fact that Amazon is just more ubiquitous. More people have already got Amazon Prime. They're already on Amazon. Vimeo requires you to go looking. Mm. And we would appreciate it if you want to go looking. Yeah. Vimeo will be the place for everybody that is not U.S. or U.K. and can't get our Amazon Prime. Right, right. So, uh, and also we're going to benefit our patrons there as well. So it will be on Vimeo about the same time as on Amazon. If you are anywhere worldwide, we would love for you to watch both season two and season three. Season three, not yet, but season two is already up. Season one's all on, on YouTube. But season two is already on Vimeo. If you're watching anywhere, listening anywhere in the world, you've never seen the show, it is on Vimeo. You can find it through our website. Right. Season three right. will be on Vimeo as well. That allows us to get it to all of you anywhere in the world. We know that Amazon is much more common and people use it much more and it's been exciting to be on there and the ratings and all that. You guys have been very helpful. So that's why we've been leading with the Amazon story. But please understand, yes, also on Vimeo. Yeah, that's the reason for Vimeo is sort of the backup worldwide distribution. Blake B. on Instagram. Did you see his question? (laughs) I like this. What is the most viscerally stimulating car you've driven? Senses, visually, auditory, feel, smell. And Blake says you could skip taste. I don't have to skip taste <laughs> oh, to no. answer this question. Oh, no. I'm I think you probably guess. It's the Caterham 650R. I tasted the road, <laughs> Blake. I, I tasted asphalt in this car. You're so low. Yeah. Like the the grit and the grime. Mm-hmm. Now we were wearing full or open face helmets because yeah, yeah. those are the helmets we had. Yeah. Uh, somebody generously let us drive their Caterham yeah, at the Audubon Country Club mm-hmm. when we mm-hmm. went for the track day and spotted this car and we said hey could we drive this car we drove it on track and then we actually did a quick review it's yeah, online very quick i was out on the road weaving in between huge trucks because mm-hmm. there's a distribution center out by the track yep and yep. it was only 18 wheelers and i was this minnow you i felt were. like i could do the fast and furious thing and go under the, mm-hmm. the tractor trailer mm-hmm. and just you know cross under the line i mean i felt this low i probably wow. could but I tasted the grit and the asphalt coming up from the tires. That's hysterical. Just, I, okay, that's that's new. I didn't expect that. So I'd probably wear a full-face helmet. That's funny. Next time. Blake, I'm going to say the obvious answer, but it's the reason I own one. The Lotus Elise. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there, there's it, it is an overwhelming amount of information for all of your senses. And it's genuinely overwhelming. After a while, for most people, myself included, it's just kind of like, you know what? I need to get out hmm. because there's so much going on. But honestly, the minute I, I got my Elise, the first like, time I got in it to test drive it when I bought it in L.A., I got it in and was like, yep, this smells like every other Elise. I mean, it has a smell. It has a feel. There, there is nothing. You're not insulated at all in the car. Hmm. And think about, okay, we're not insulated from something that is simultaneously really great and really terrible. Depends on the moment. <laughs> There's no insulation from you and all of the info. It is an overwhelming reality, and I love it for that. But I'm also aware of the fact that when I I jump into my wife's Cayenne and do a random errand, I'm like, this is really nice in here. (laughs) I know you like that, too, sometimes. All right. uh, Kayla B. on Facebook asked, if we both had to pick a car to restore, Hmm. what car would we pick? I've actually been kind of wrestling with this because I admit to becoming kind of addicted to Wheeler Dealer's show. It's Uh Mike Brewer and Ann Anstead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These guys are great, and they're picking some great stuff. And, you know, cars I would have thought, ah, you know, want Mm. nothing to do with that. Okay. And then they pick a, you know, International Scout or a Porsche 924. I'm like, I I want that car now. Funny. Really do great stuff. 
I guess I come back to my first car, and it was a 70, 1977 Jeep Cherokee. So it was huge, and it was rusted, mm-hmm. and I shared it with my sister, and Mike and Aunt restored a mid-'80s Grand Wagoneer. Really? And I just that thought... That had to hit you right uh, in the heart. I, yeah. I want that. They, That's they funny. They lifted it three inches. They put bigger wheels and tires, hmm. Hmm. redid the interior, and they didn't they didn't put a lot of money into it. You know, he put a lot of work into it, of course, but I just I think they sold it for like twenty two or something like that. It was just like hmm. Wow. It was blue with the wood trim and they just did an amazing job and I thought okay. yeah, that could be cool. Of course Porsche is on the list, but it seems like a little too obvious an answer. I just I gotta yeah. go with my first car. The th- okay. just the first thing, you know, my mom said you're going to stop liking bicycles in junior high and you're going to want a car. And I thought, no, I like bicycles. I'm not going to want to drive. And then she was right. No, of course. I honestly, I have to say, I don't have an answer for this because of this. Everybody has their own hobbies. I don't want to restore a car. I'd love to pay someone to restore a car. You just I'd, like to I'd love drive to, the results. I'd love to buy one yeah. and have someone make it awesome. Sure. If I had that kind of exp- disposable income, I would do that in a heartbeat. I don't want it sitting in my garage and it's a to-do for me. I just like to do other things with my time. So mm. I wouldn't be doing that myself. I'd love to pay some people to do some fun cars, though. <laughs> exactly. I'd love to just drive the results of all kinds of stuff. Bring it. More of that. We should just go review because they drive the cars at the very end, but it's it's such a short segment. It's maybe a minute or two when they actually drive the result because the show is about the restoration. Totally it is, yeah. They need to give us the cars that they restore and (laughs) then we go do the full reviews. Nicely done. I like that. They could feed us for YouTube fast blasts. (laughs) What do you think? The TV show. Anyway, uh, Matthew Green wrote in on fa- on Facebook and said, what are our thoughts on supercharging an FRS with 90,000 miles? He's oh. had it since it was new. Oh. He bought it in June of 2012, so you bought it early. Like right as they're coming off the boat, you bought one. It's no longer his daily. It's now just his fun car. So this is a car you don't have to rely on every day. It's been yours. You know the history of it. Should it be faster? My question to you, Matthew, is why are we asking? Why are we asking? Why? It, it, yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it's bound to be paid off by now. Yeah. It, you don't have to rely on it for anything but fun. Uh, supercharging is a great way to solve power issues in that car. I am, I've wasted too much time already. I think the answer is yes. Uh-huh. I, I'm with you. There's a question from 4Pot Fury Instagram saying, when do we think we'll get an enthusiast-oriented electric car? He's always wondered what an e-golf GTI would feel like. Hmm. Now, we have to go back to the original Tesla Roadster, which sure. was... Essentially, a redone Elise. An Elise with like eight extra inches of length or something, yes. It's funny because people talk about the Tesla Roadster because they've seen the upcoming supercar from Tesla. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking about the original one. So we're, sure. we're not talking the same car and they don't sure. realize, actually, before the Model S, guess what? There was the Tesla yeah. Roadster. Yeah, That's yeah, what it was sure. called. And so it does exist, but it was expensive and... Yes, they can be better. Mm-hmm. I love the chassis, but mm-hmm. it was sort of like a first try. So maybe the range is there. It's and proof of concept car is really what it is. It really was. Yeah. And I think it was great. But I think that every car manufacturer needs to get the commuter, like a Chevy Bolt, they need to get it out of their system first. They need to and done well. Yeah. get that car to market and get some sales under their belt before they'll mm. turn to the enthusiast market Absolutely. and think, yeah. you know what? We should make an electric Toyota 86 or mm-hmm. something, you know? like that. I, I feel like all the manufacturers and product planners are going to have to get the commuter car. We proved our point. This is our stake in the ground for electric cars. Mm-hmm. They got to get that done and accomplished before they go, you know, so electric cars are great torque and we should address the enthusiast market. I think it's going to be a while before we see a 
particular focused Mm -hmm. like the Tesla Roadster. Yeah. Because that's not where electric cars exist in people's minds. Mm -hmm. They exist as commuter, I'm saving gas, I'm, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's where they exist now. But it's coming. Somebody will figure out. I think Porsche is going to lead the way, I hope. We'll see. With kind of a balance between the two. And then, then it's on. This relates to a somewhat controversial question. I say controversial only because this is a question that we could do a topic Tuesday on and have everyone yelling at the podcast on either side. Uh, Remington Remington G21 wrote in on Instagram and said, do we think that people will ever realize that electric cars are not the future? Mm. And he's making up the point, he's saying the point, that manufacturing alone does cause environmental damage. It's not like they are environment damage free. Now, I'm already stepping into a massive room full of huge, enormous rakes, okay? (laughs) I'm going to try to weave through here very carefully. Okay. There is a limited amount of resource. From what I understand, there's a limited amount of resource for how they make these batteries. When they're mining lithium, it's not like there's lithium down the block. There's oil. All of the downsides of oil. There are oil reserves all over the world. True. True. Lithium isn't very common. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about 2% of the car market right now are electric cars. How much lithium would it require to even make that 50% of the cars? And supply and demand, when you get to a situation where there is a limited amount of resource, which there is for lithium, at least as everything I've heard that we've found, is a very limited resource. If every car manufacturer was doing half of their cars on that one resource, how much is that going to increase the cost? Right now, battery cost is coming down. How much will it increase the cost of batteries? Not because manufacturing processes haven't gotten better, but because of the limited availability of the resource, mm-hmm. supply yeah. and demand. Yep. So there, there is, Remington, there is a reckoning coming on this if the market shifts at large, because I don't think, based on my understanding of the resources, that the entire car market could ever go electric and we have the resources to even build the batteries. Forget what's required to dig it up for a second. I just don't think the resource is there. So yeah. that, that yeah. means there will probably, I suspect, never be an all-electric automotive world. I just don't think that's, that's possible. So your second part of your question is, will people f- switch to hydrogen fuel cell cars? The reason electric is winning right now over hydrogen fuel cells is the fact that we are all very lazy and not that smart. <laughs> Individual humans can be very smart. Humans as a collective are quite dumb animals. <laughs> Individual okay? smart people are stupid, right? Seriously. <laughs> we, I actually saw today a, a mention on a, on a website where somebody's Ferrari, not Ferrari, uh, Lamborghini post gold rush rally burnt to the ground because the minivan next to them drove away with the pump. Oh, and the whole thing went up in flames. Yeah, with the hose still sticking out. Exactly. Those hoses, look at hoses. Hoses have Broke a break point on them. Yeah. They are now all designed with break points because enough people drove off <laughs> with the hose still in the car that you needed to create a point where it broke. Okay? My, my point here is the reason electric cars are winning is because you plug it in like you plug in any other wall socket. You go, oh, this goes here. And gasoline is the same thing. Oh, this goes here. Hydrogen is harder than that. And until they can simplify that for the average person who is talking uh, on their phone or screaming at their kid or half paying attention, they can still properly fuel, fuel up their hydrogen fuel cell car. If we can solve that or find some other means of propulsion that is as easy as plug and play, we don't have to think about it and we can be stupid, then that'll work. But hydrogen's not there right now. Yeah. Keeping with the, the theme, keeping with the theme here, the Tim Belmont on Instagram Saw the first episode, and he said it looked pretty mild in Salt Lake when we were filming, which it was. 
And he said, are the battery packs in electric vehicles ex- affected by extreme temperatures in terms of power range? Yes, they are. Which is why you see all the electric cars. For example, the Bolt was introduced on the coasts mm-hmm. first by mm-hmm. GM. They didn't come out with the car in Colorado and Utah and Montana and true, say, true. here it is, everyone. Mm-hmm. It took a while for the Bolt to make its way here. Now I see them everywhere. Yeah, I'm seeing more of them. Teslas yeah. are everywhere in Park City, just like realtors. Yes. They're yes. everywhere. Mm-hmm. And Cayennes and Range Rovers, actually. Yes, those are the official cars of Park City. Yeah. Sheesh. Anyway, so yes, it, it is affected dramatically, and that will continue to get better. I mean, battery technology is going to transform the industry. It already has, mm-hmm. but it's going to keep going with you know capacity and all that stuff. But inherently, they're still affected by the temperature. Absolutely. Even though we see Teslas all over in the winter here. Batteries in anything are affected. Cars are no different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. So... All right, what else uh, on here? What else uh, stuck out? Mateo on uh, Instagram, I'm pretty sure that I know who that is. I'm pretty sure we met him in Germany, if I'm thinking who that is. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, right. You have your ND Miata that you love. You're saying for maximum fun. This is another fight, thems or fighting words question. Those are the only ones I picked tonight, apparently. <laughs> for maximum fun, better with non-grippy tires or, and have a tail-happy car, or better putting uh, better tires on and getting maximum grip. Ooh. Depending on the day, people will argue which side of this is better. Uh I'm actually going to say to you, Mateo, that um, I actually prefer grip. I just prefer grip. And I'm going to say this. To, watch your yeah. FRS piece. Yeah. Okay? I went from tires that were not nearly as bad as the factory tires. They were uh, Michelin uh, AS3s. So they were all season threes, which are far better than the Michelin primacies that come on that car originally. For all of the internet conversation that the car is only fun if you can drift it. Not true. Uh, but watch that piece where we put on Michelin Pilot Supersports. Mm-hmm. Right. What I found fascinating is that the overall grip level went up quite a bit. And I like that. I like feeling like the tires are not going to be the first thing to go. I've got to really push until I can find the edge of the tires. The tires aren't going to give up on me, which the primacies do. Uh, And yeah, that's slighty, but it's your speed that I feel like your fun of the chassis is so much better when there's more grip. But the other thing that surprised us both is how progressive the breakaway was on better tires. Right, right. So Mateo, think about this. You will increase your grip, but it doesn't mean you still can't exceed your grip. The level will be higher, but when it goes... Our experience has been that when it goes, better tires go with better information. And Mm -hmm. so you can feel that it's going. You can control the slide better. We were both able to get better controlled drifts with better tires than with worse tires because the information was that much higher. The levels were higher. The speeds were higher. But it's not like you couldn't drift anymore. You just had more control across board. Yeah. Even though we use cheap tires for the drift school, but that's yes. because, you know, you're beating on them all day totally. long. You're just learning. You're in learning totally. mode. But, but not the, for the, the FRS feel. piece. That was yeah. Michelin, brand new Michelin Pilot Supersports. And you think, oh, man, that, that smoke is more expensive than cheap tire smoke. Totally. Yeesh. Absolutely. That's why the Drift School uses like $40 Chinese tires because <laughs> exactly. they're going to be bored. <laughs> Naoki that went in that morning to put new tires on the car for us stumped the poor guy at the tire place because the <laughs> poor the guy at the tire start. place was trying to sell him tires with 60,000 mile warranties and he looked at him deadpan and he went I need them to last six hours <laughs> exactly six hours but but nobody asked for that you'd think they'd know him by now being so think. close maybe he maybe he never goes to the same place twice <laughs> maybe he why. just hauls a drift car and goes fix that for me yeah <laughs> it just strips their gears all right so last question for me is Nitsuwa on Instagram said for somebody wanting to get into casual off-roading is it better to have a newer Forerunner or something equivalent like that mm-hmm. and then drive it every day? Sure. Or should I buy a beater off-road something 
and then buy something more comfortable for the commute. Okay. Like this. You know, what kind of compromise is better? And he said, indecisive minds need help. I'm going straight to the two-car scenario. Straight to this. Because there's as you get into the off-roading thing, you don't know if you're going to like it or hate it mm-hmm. as a casual off-roader. Yeah. Now, yeah. if you're a very serious off-roader, you already have the whatever it is. That's your off-road truck. But as a casual off-roader, get something inexpensive because you know you're going to be buying parts for it, doing stuff with it. You might wreck it. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have that as the, I got to get to work tomorrow mm-hmm. on Monday. Well, I just rolled my thing. Ugh. And it doesn't roll. When, and I don't mean if, when it gets dinged, scratched, whatever, mm-hmm. because you're off-roading, you go, okay. And consider this. Are there things that you would try in a beater off-roader and therefore learn more oh, about I, off-roading I see yeah, I see by that. having a beater that you wouldn't try in your shiny forerunner? Yes. I'm not going up that. I'm not taking my car up there. Sure. I've got to get to work on Monday. That's good. It's the same thing as we talk about don't track your daily ride. I mean, in general, don't race your paycheck is yeah. kind of the saying that we use. Yeah. I think that's I think that's far less likely to be dangerous than the off road thing though. It, it is, yeah. but then you it's know, you think off road, you get you know the Nevada pinstripes, you know, down the sides of the car and scratches and all that kind of stuff. For so sure. What if For something sure. happens and you okay? Well, I need to leave it by the side of the road, or I just need to. You know, I still have a car in reserve that I know I can count on for everything in my life. Well, and you can, you can do it. I'm not saying you can't. I'm just thinking as a toe in the pool, just getting into it, you're going to want to buy parts, try mm-hmm. this, buy knobby tires, whatever. It's not going to be comfortable for your daily. That's the other thing. The better it is for off-road, the worse it's going to be for your daily. Yeah. So that's another reason why it's really hard to straddle the line on those two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you. Massive thanks for writing to us for all your social media questions. Keep writing to us. And uh, we are definitely looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. ADT can design and install a smart home just for you, backed by 24-7 protection. A new smart home at your service, customized for your lifestyle. Set up custom automations unique to your home to automatically do the things like lock the doors or set the thermostat when you leave. Even close your garage door from virtually anywhere. ADT will set up your home with multiple smart home devices and security features like indoor and outdoor cameras, locks, lights, and garage door control, even video doorbells. Visit ADT.com slash podcasts to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you.